Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast. Uh, my name is Dan Martin, uh, slightly sweaty podcast man and general special effects person. Hello. Uh, I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, and uh, I am not particularly sweaty today, uh, which is nice, and I directed the greatest film ever made, Frankenstein's Creature, and I also do podcasts with the lovely the delightful, the delectable Dan Martin. <laughs> so, Dan, what are we doing today? What's your fault today? What's my fault? What are you talking about? <laughs> There's no fault here. We're doing Doom Asylum. We are. Uh, we're doing the lovely, lovely Doom Asylum. Yes. Uh, now, hopefully, some of you will have seen this quite recently, uh, not just because it's only recently come out on Blu-ray from Arrow, and not only because I, it was one of my recommendations of a few months ago, but because the Arrow All-Nighter uh, happened recently and uh, maybe some of you are in the audience there we're actually recording this before the all-nighter happens yes so, uh, hopefully i'll see some of you there do come and say hi it's again um, you just pointed out that this was going up after that and you've now said do come and say hi listen in the Sam, past <laughs> you can win any argument with facts well but, actually you fucking can't anymore <laughs> but let's hope that uh, let's hope that you said hello i to... hope you came up and said hello exactly i'll be i'll tweet about the all night before it goes and i'll make the same invitation on twitter so. again this means nothing to people because i will have oh, for fuck's sake that was more for you <laughs> oh this time travel shit's difficult <laughs> and on that doom asylum involves no time travel no um, no time travel although it does involve a slightly weird fucking timeline so uh, there's a reason we're a little bit more rambly than usual on this one. We don't have a ton of notes about this. No, I've, I've watched it. I just said to Sam before we started, I've seen this three times this week and I've seen it once before, about two days before I recommended it to you on a previous podcast. I still really enjoy it. It's definitely a different experience watching it three times in a week on your own to watching it with a group of people after several beers. This is exactly what I wanted to say because so I watched this one on my own. Yeah, you probably didn't like it very much, did you? Stone cold sober. Um, And yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Do not watch it in that way. Um, Oh, it's a party film. Get your best friend or friends around, uh, the people that you enjoy watching bad movies with. I wish I'd watched it with either Dan or uh, my good friend Georgia. Um, Oh, this would be a perfect Georgia film. Yeah, I, I think we've mentioned Georgia on the podcast before. I don't think we've mentioned the fact that she once broke up with someone using screen grabs from uh, a subtitled Steven Seagal film. Yeah, she conducted an entire breakup conversation only by replying with subtitles she had photographed off the projector screen. And weirdly, the guy got it. He can't... Well, it took him a while. Not not as long as you'd expect. Um, And and the the conversation uh, ended with uh, a screen grab of... um, uh, a Foley subtitle, which was just the line, toilet flushing. Um, <laughs> which yeah. she used after he got it, which was the best good riddance. Yeah, a- anyway. Um, maybe she'll let us tweet those. They- I've still got them all saved. <gasps> oh, the amazing. whole conversation, let's, she, she oh, messaged them all to me. God, let's hope so. Um, but anyway, we are here to talk about Doom Asylum, not <laughs> yeah, we'll Georgia. we'll do a bit of that. <laughs> but yeah, no, the point is, the point is, the point is, dear listener, uh, do not watch this on your own sober. Yeah, because I did, and it did my head in. Yeah, well, it will do your head in. <laughs> well, I think the thing is, and I don't want to spoil this experience for someone watching it for the first time, but it's not until about two thirds of the way through you kind of understand what the intention was, and even then, it's not fully clear. Do tell me. So all the way, I, I don't mean the intention as to like the grand message or anything like that. I just mean 
like, is it a comedy? Is it meant to be scary? None of the jokes are landing. Is this just weird dialogue? What the living fuck is going on? Yeah, and this sort of leads me to sort of one of my talking points, which is it's the weirdest combination of smart and dumb I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Because it kind of starts and and it opens with a, a... an interesting cover of House of the Rising Sun, which kind of made me feel like I was insane. Do you want hands. to know a fun fact about House but, of the Rising Sun? Yes, please so do. So this is something that came up with Justin and Aaron when I was talking to them about um, Endless. House of the Rising Sun, the lyrics are public domain because they're an old folk song. So as long as you don't completely copy the tune, you don't have to pay any rights for it. Interesting. So it gets you, it gets you, that's why it's in Endless, is because, right. and that's why the tune's always slightly different. In Interesting. Endless. And so they've obviously done exactly the same thing, although the end credit music, where they used it again in Doom Asylum, is pretty fucking close. Is this something the that's, that's on the Endless uh, no, 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 podcast? No, no, okay, no. It is, I think they do mention it on the audio comment, one of the audio commentaries on Endless. Oh, right, but, okay. Which is, you know, once again, fantastic disc, definitely able to watch on your own. In fact, actually, it's quite a nice sit on your own wonder what the fuck's happening movie. But, but there's there's a, a moment in in uh, Doom Asylum where you know you've got this sort of political German student style character who, who feels like uh, she's a pastiche and there's a bit where she's walking through a corridor and, and shouting people united will never be defeated yeah. instead of obviously divided yeah. and I was watching it and I was like this film like this could be deliberate where you know we're commenting on on the character's sort of pretension in that you know she can't get the messaging right so you know how dedicated is she to this political belief but because of the way it's made it's like well they could just have fucked up and and said the wrong thing and not realized themselves like i i have absolutely no idea there is a commentary with the writer so there's, there's, there's yeah. a possibility did you listen to it no i did no, not that's fine it's it's very very dry it's not a fun commentary right. the hysteria continues there's two commentaries on the track on the disc the hysteria continues commentary is really good fun yeah and 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 is the closest i think you'll get it to watching it with a group of friends if you are watching it alone yeah but the yeah the the writer writer is it writer and producer I think maybe commentary is it's very dry but it's very interesting from a filmmaker's standpoint because although they're not necessarily the most convivial men to listen to chatting away they do talk about what it was like to get this kind of film financed back then they do talk about what it's like to shoot a feature film in like eight days right for under a hundred thousand pounds like it's 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 pretty interesting stuff from a filmmaking perspective. It's just weird that it's about this film because yeah. this is not the film you want to make yourself. Like this is, like this was the film you made quickly because they were handing out small budgets like chocolates in the heyday of VHS. Mm. A, a little bit about the plot, perhaps. Yeah, that's yeah? a good okay. idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it starts with a car crash. Uh, the the couple in the car crash are celebrating what turns out later to be an inheritance windfall by the woman. She's just earned, she's had a lot of money because her coal miner father has died. <laughs> you are told by a piece of newspaper that has apparently lasted over ten years by the time we see it in the movie. Just outside in the grass, it's just yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she is uh, killed by, I believe, losing a hand. And he seems fine, if a bit distraught. Uh, but in the next scene, he doesn't have a face. 
<laughs> and also his guts are out. Yeah. But he's still alive because he kills two coroners. The- yeah, and one of those coroners, and this kind of relates to our last episode, uh, King of New York, which if you haven't listened to, I feel is probably excellent. Um, <laughs> I haven't listened I to it good, either because we, we've just recorded it. But yeah, uh, one of the coroners is wearing sunglasses. Uh, which, and fucking eating, which like coroners I d- always do I, I in don't, film. I don't think sunglasses indoors uh, is probably the best way to I think he's hungover. conduct coroning I, yeah, I think that's be. the sandwich there's I, I would wager that in genre cinema there's a higher proportion of coroners who are eating or drinking while on the job yes than there are coroners who are not yeah he's having a sandwich it's constant yeah all the way through it's a trope anyway I think one of the taglines or one of the plot descriptions official mm. says that it's the coroner one of the coroners who is the murderer Right. Which was the version that I saw when I first watched it. And I'm like going, how is this the coroner? Yeah. Surely this is the man. Yes. <laughs> Which it is. Yes. But the, the, the tagline is something along the lines of, and now the coroner's like... Oh, fuck oh, I think he's called, yeah, he's called the coroner. The coroner, yeah, but yeah. presumably because he's hanging around in this hospital. And, and, and he's using the weapons of a coroner. Yeah, he's using entirely... Yeah. yeah so I guess, yeah, maybe that's his nickname. But yeah. it's very confusing to have two coroners die at the beginning of the film. And then have a man, then, yeah, fuck. Then call the bad guy the coroner. Yeah. Anyway, then jump forward 10 years, uh, a bunch of cool young kids uh, mirroring the shot from the beginning, so mm. that you know that we're in geographically the same place, mm-hmm. turn up and they're With going, the same music as same well. Music. So to the extent that you think that they're repeating the scene for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they stop by the side of the road to visit the crash site, which tells you that it was um, it was her mother's it was her mother who died in the car crash yeah one of the the teenagers Uh, one of the two people one of the teenagers mums uh well uh frank yeah patty yes uh, patty mullen she um she finds a mirror that's been lying by the side of the road for 10 years a lot of shit like this is a very undisturbed area of the world (laughs) things just lie around uh for ages yeah she uh she's being a bit sad with her boyfriend uh about and, it. and her friends are like, hey, come on, we're meant to be going somewhere. It's been 10 fucking years. And <laughs> how do we know that uh, before she even finds the mirror, how do we know that uh, it's her mother? Uh, remind me. It's played by the same actress. She plays both parts. Does she play this? Yeah. How have I fucking not noticed that? <laughs> You've Given how many times? times three times week. this week. But yeah. Twice with the commentary, which means I listen to it at one and a half speed. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's a good tip, actually, for anyone out there who uh, has to record a podcast, uh, two podcasts in a row. Yeah. Dan. You can't. That's just totally normal. Uh, <laughs> you cannot do that with um, Abel Ferrara's commentary on, uh, on no. King of New York, by the way. He is unintelligible at 1.5 yeah. speed. <laughs> It's borderline unintelligible normal. Yes. Um, uh, anyway, back to this one. We've done we've done that one. Yeah, they then get to uh, an asylum, which they were very proud of in all the marketing. She filmed in a real asylum. And apparently not an asylum, actually. A, a, tuberculos- a tuberculosis hospital, I think. Right. Uh, when tuberculosis was basically cured, they just shut down and moved out and left all the kit there, which is why there was so much stuff, so much cool equipment. Lying yeah, around. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and they start getting off in pretty traditional fashion, except that because this is late 80s, the killer has to be quippy. And they all have to be like ostentatious, loud characters. They run into a girl noise call group. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Like there are elements to this film, like you know, like Patty Mullen, who I love, and she's fun. she's actually know, pretty good in it. Yeah, she's really good in this uh, in both roles. Dan, mm. um, <laughs> I, I would say less so in the first role, but 
<laughs> well, no, she's a chameleon because you didn't even I didn't know. Even it was, recognize. Yeah. We're going to send that brat of mine to boarding school. <laughs> so yeah, no, you, you've got sort of elements in this that. So there's the there's the character who whose parents are psychologists and she's obsessed with psychology and you can tell like, she's got glasses on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that's that's kind of a, a nice character trait. And it's actually that character is genuinely well written. There are elements to this which are genuinely well written. There are other elements, such as the guy whose trope is that he likes baseball and baseball cards, <laughs> and that's it. That's all he's got. He does do a big baseball. Mo- he talks about his own death as though it's a baseball commentary. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and then this is the other insane thing about this film uh, that reminds me of the other insane thing about this film, which is the fucking foley. What the hell <laughs> is going on with the sound in this film? Like, you know, when he gets killed, we hear like the da 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 baseball music and uh, which is almost fine like i'll let that go what really bothers me about this film like on a on a very sort of psychological level is the bird song right whenever they're outside it's like a david lynch film in several places actually but the the bird song the way it's mixed is like they're trying to torture me yeah <laughs> it's so weird Explain it to me, Dan. I, I can't. <laughs> amateurish is the only reason. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I, I really like um, peculiar sound mixing. Yeah. I've, uh, I was going to recommend it this week, but I can't because I've already recommended it. But I finally got to see in Fabric the other day. Oh, sweet. Strickland, which is fucking great, by the way. So consider that a tacit re-recommendation because I hadn't seen it. I just worked on it. But I hadn't seen it when I recommended it last time. But, um, but the sound design in that is just fucking incredible oh, music's amazing yeah yeah and there are all these scenes in the shopping center because it's largely set in a department store where what they've done is they've got loads and loads of people to have really quiet conversations where they're just talking to each other like this about like weird and scripted asinine stuff and then they've layered them up really heavily and then they've put them right at the front of the mix wow and it's really disconcerting and uncomfortable. like it makes you feel so on edge film. like the film itself is probably more funny than some of Strickland's other stuff. Right, okay. Um, very 70s. But it's it's an absolute fucking delight. I oh, I can't wait. I it. cannot wait. But yeah, you mentioned the band in Doom Asylum, uh, Tina and the Tots. Um, yeah. This is another element that, that I absolutely loved. Um, so their introduction, where um, we see them rehearsing, the music they're making is kind of, it sounds like deer hoof or liars like yeah. it sounds like or like wolf eyes it sounds like one of those kind of bands but it's clearly a post-production choice because the noise that they're making doesn't match anything they're playing at all um, well, what's weird oh yeah yeah you're completely right like there's drums going on but she's actually just playing you, synthesizer and... but you do well no you don't hear the drums at all you see her playing drums you yeah, don't hear yeah, the drums yeah, and there's at no all. drums yeah drums and, and and it once you sort of click into what's going on if, if you watch uh, Tina herself uh, what she's singing really doesn't match uh, the, the the noise that's being made at certain points and again it feels very David Lynch absolutely and what's peculiar about that is there's an interview on the disc with the actress who plays Tina yeah and she talks about the fact that she couldn't sing and they surprised her with the fact that she's gonna have to sing and apparently that is her actual singing 
but but she was just making noise because they were like, "Don't worry, we'll dub a song on over the top," and then they and then they just go. used her screaming, yeah, it, as the singing instead of bothering to pay someone else to come in and actually sing something. It's so but weird. The fact that they dubbed it over and then also it doesn't match is so peculiar. It's amazing. So yeah, uh, that I've now talked about. Every single element that I like in this film. It's it's another one of those ones. It's a so the effects artist uh, Vincent Gastani, who's gone on to quite be quite a prominent name in the American effects scene. This is his first feature as a designer, and he was just kind of guessing at all this stuff. And there's a nice interview with him where he's literally talking about the Tom Savini books, which I've mentioned before on the podcast, um, Grand Illusions one and two, which he was just treating like a bible. And he also had uh, a direct line to Dick Smith at the time as well, which was you know one of those amazing things that you could have if you lived in America at this era. And him and another guy were just kind of like winging this stuff and like trying to figure it out as they went. And about 85% of the effects didn't work quite how he wanted them to. Um, and some of the sculpting's a bit crude and a lot of the application's pretty crude. But there's a couple of gags in there that really land. And it's... And maybe I'm being oversympathetic because I do effects and so I, you know, I, I see a lot of like intent in there as well as actual result but there's some fun stuff in there and and it, this net this has never been released in the uk before this is the yeah, first yeah. time this has been released and if they tried to release this if anyone bothered trying to release this very strange film uh in the uk at the time that it came out this would have been cut to fucking shreds oh, of course like the murders are really like the, the kills are really like fun visceral campy horror splatter they don't always work <laughs> Yeah, and and you know the one-liners don't always work. Like, ever, uh, yeah. <laughs> one-liners don't I ever mean, work. I mean, that is, some of them at least relate to what's going on, like the the baseball death. You know, there's a one-liner that relates to baseball, but there's one moment where, and, and I, I don't want to sp- mention the one I'm thinking. Of. I don't want to spoil it because you know it is at the end, but it involves a meat square. Oh, oh my god, yeah, that's so fucking weird. And what he says to that makes no sense whatsoever. That character, I won't say who it is, yeah. uh, wasn't meant to die there. Right. But they ran out of money, uh, so she left production. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they wrote in a thing and did it on a, I think on her last day. They right, shot right. That, that death. I don't think she was going to die. Right, interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, but- I, I do have to make this clear. Like, I very much respect Arrow for putting this out, genuinely. Uh, I really respect, like, what a great disc it is. You know, I didn't delve too deeply in the extras, but there's a lot of them. Yeah, it's good. Um, and and I think that, you know, like I said at the start, if you watch this with friends, um, you'll have a great time. Don't watch it on your own. Yeah. And there there is stuff in there. I think what I find so frustrating about it is that if they'd have punched it up just a little bit more... Eight this, days, Sam. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it, and, and that's impressive as well. You know, um, yes. If they'd have punched it up just a little bit more, then it could have been really, really good. There's so much potential in here. There's so much potential. But as it is, it's it, it's still fun if you watch it with a group of people. Yeah, I think... Some you, lovely shots in here, yeah, you know. If you watch it in the in the right situation Correct. the right people i think this could easily become a favorite like yeah, if yeah. you're if you're uh if you're ever going to like it it could become a favorite if you watch and it i right guarantee scenario. i guarantee that you know and i'm predicting this even though you're listening to this in the future i guarantee that it's going to be a massive hit at the slasher all night oh yeah i reckon so yeah people can absolutely it's gonna, love they're it. gonna fucking hoot yeah it's, completely that's it it's a really fun crowd movie and i think that like even though i've seen it 
three times in the last week and the slasher like the, the all nighters next week i'm still gonna watch it because I, I think it's gonna be nice to see it with a big audience shall we go on to recommendations the problem is sam yes I'm gonna, i've got a quiz to do at the all nighter yes. after this film so yes. i can't be as drunk as i'd like to be for this film <laughs> well, well we'll see what happens see how that goes yeah exactly so recommendations based on this film Dan, would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. My first recommendation is uh, Massacre at Central High. Oh, okay. Uh, 1976 was released as Blackboard Massacre. It's a largely under-recognised or, or forgotten American sort of high school vigilante movie. It's um, it's really fun. It's not the goriest film in the world, although it's got some fun, like you know, some fun splatter in it. But it's a, it's actually a quite a well put together and and tonally quite good. Uh, feature I picked this up on Vipco back in the day on VHS in the UK and it was mm. trimmed I think, but um, I'm not sure I really appreciated it back then because it isn't it isn't just wall to wall splatter and silliness and it takes itself a lot more serious. It, it's not that it takes itself more seriously; it is that it is innately more somber than uh, than Doom Asylum. But it is uh, I think it's a similar level of of known, even though it has had a, a, a UK VHS release in this country. So yeah, if you're if you're in the mood for more weird gems from that period or around that period mm. earlier um it's worth digging out certainly nice it also has a murder in it that got borrowed by eli roth for the new uh, death wish oh interesting so, yeah, there, you go. there we go um spoilers abound but you didn't but which one for which exactly yeah. spoilers for whichever you watch second yeah there you it's go. going to be death wish <laughs> yes yes um so my first recommendation based on this movie is uh, a film called night train to terror uh, from 1985 now this is available on shudder in the u.s i think i don't know if it's available in, on, in the uk but i saw it on vhs uh it is not sort of strictly it, it's not a slasher in the same way that doom asylum is um but it does have shared elements um it's got its own kind of weird musical number it's there's a sequence set in a insane asylum but it's ostensibly about uh god and satan uh on a train together um sort of discussing you know um fate and and life and death and all the rest of it and uh it's sort of it's a portmanteau where they're discussing kind of three vignettes yeah it's amicus Uh, isn't it uh no no it's not amicus no no it's it's a u.s movie um yeah yeah uh i think it's u.s could be canadian actually but um yeah it's it's not the best um people involved in it um have sort of Basically, one of the the actors in it um, sent the director a message to say that he's embarrassed to be involved with it. It's it's you know it, it it's 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 pretty cheesy, but if you're in the similar kind of mood that you're in when you watch Doom Asylum, uh, aka you've had some beers and have some friends over, I think it is a, a, a weird gem. Yeah. Um, there's elements to it that are. Uh, impressive. There are elements to it that are not so impressive, um, but yeah, it's a it's a weird little gem. Um, lo- Night love... Train to Terror. Yeah, it's been a very long time since I've seen it. I'll, I'll rewatch it. I um I love those old anthology movies. Yeah, it's so much fun. This is it. It's one of those like it's certainly not in the league of uh, the Amicus stuff um, or oh, the Barva stuff. No, oh god, Barber definitely was. not. But there was a period where you know 
uh, a lot of VHS companies um, put out these these very weird um, yeah. portmanteaus, and um, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Mm. My next one is one I mildly mentioned to Sam off uh, before we started recording. Uh, it's called Night of the Intruder from 1989, uh, directed by Scott Spiegel. It's his debut. Uh, Scott Spiegel, probably most noted for writing or being one of the writers on Evil Dead 2. I think that Doom Asylum was probably inspired by the Evil Dead films slightly, most notably because it has fake shemps in the end credits, right? which is a, a Raimi joke. Yes. And then also because between Nightmare 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and, um, and Evil Dead 2, like by the time Doom Asylum was made, horror comedy, like quipping horror stuff was kind of standard. Mm. Like that was where horror had gone by that point. Mm. That, that had become the norm. Night of the Intruder is really fun. It's set in an all-night convenience store on the night that they're told they're shutting down. So they're all their jobs are all up. And someone somewhere in the staff responds by locking them all in and starting to murder them. It's uh, It's got all the Evil Dead 2 team along board, obviously when Spiegel decided he was going to make a movie. Uh, Sam and Ted Rainey act in it. Um, Dan Hicks, who plays Jake from Evil Dead 2, and plays the manager. Uh, and there's even a cameo from Bruce Campbell, who plays a cop in it as well. It's really fun. It's another early KNB film, uh, who was sort of like kicking up the, the the good horror effects at that time. They sort of took the mantle on from Savini to do some really fun stuff. Uh, I used to have the old uh, Dragon DVD from Germany, uh, but I think there is a DVD, in, a Blu-ray in the UK now. Yeah, um, I think uh, 88 have put 88, it out. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's got everything that the Dragon disc had on it. It's uncut, I think. It's uncut, but Dragon had um, loads of outtake effect, F, effects outtakes. Mm-hmm. So like the ends of effects, like the, the real ends. Mm-hmm. So they'd shoot the yeah, effect yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Dragon, like um, something where video did with um, all the real ends for Blood Feast. Mm. Again, I don't know if those are on the Arrow disc. I haven't mm-hmm. gone through it to check. But just, um, yeah, the idea that they'd they'd package up not just the long version of the effect, but like the tail end where they let it go and then call cut, you get all that as well. Mm. So yeah, like anyway, the point is it's out there. It is now available uncut, uh, which was gold. Like the first version I saw was really cut. I got it in a in a video bin while going to spend the weekend with my then girlfriend at the age of like 13. Uh, this news agent's had a, a bin of like one pound VHSs and I got Night of the Intruder and Headhunter mm. uh, for a pound each uh, mm. on the way. Uh, on the way there and it's it was great fun then and that was cut and then I, I saw it uncut and that was even more it's, it's, they're ridiculous kills and it's a, a good fun horror comedy great yeah that's a that's a really good one uh, I know it as Intruder you know it as yes. Night of the Intruder yeah I think it's released in the UK under Intruder yeah, yeah. but um, yeah it's a, a fun film very good right your recommendation is very good not necessarily the film though I do enjoy it right <laughs> Caveat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now for a film that, that Dan didn't enjoy, um, but I cannot not recommend uh, based on this film. And I think I may have recommended it before, but again, I can't not recommend it. It's so perfect. Killer Party from 1986. <laughs> I will keep banging this drum uh, until I drop. It's probably... Uh, my favourite uh, of the sort of um, slightly more obscure slashes. Uh, it's from 1986. It has a 4.7 on IMDb, which I think is outrageous. Classy. It's available on DVD in this country. 
um, not Blu-ray, um, Arrow aren't going to release it, even though you asked for Doom Asylum to be released and you got what you wanted. Yeah, I don't I get my like killer those, party. I feel like those wheels were emotion. <laughs> <laughs> that was a coincidence. Uh, listen to me. But honestly, I love killer party so much. And actually, you know, um, uh, I won't name the person, but someone at Arrow did actually tell me exactly why they won't release killer party. And it's nothing to do with the quality. It's more to do with the licensing. But... It's fucking amazing. It starts off as one thing and involves, uh, again, a musical number. Um, and then it kind of subverts that. Then it subverts that. Then it goes into something completely different. And then it has one of my favorite endings ever, both in terms of how it's delivered, like the effects, the sound mix. Like, I just love the ending so much. Uh, Killer Party from 1986. That's all I'm going to say on that because I've probably said all of this before on a previous <laughs> podcast. I can't remember. But... Just yeah, watch Killer Party. That point, isn't it? We're going to start rec- doubling Just up. Just watch Killer Party, and then I'll stop talking about it. Watch I, I, Party, I, I can see you. You've watched it. Like it doesn't. I can see you out there sitting there, <laughs> not watching Killer Party. You go watch it right now, please. Uh, it's good. Good. I like the fact that post your surprise that I there were any musicals I liked after we did the uh, Buckaroo Banzai and um, Phantom of Paradise yes. episodes. We've we've touched on musicals quite a lot. I did Ivan Vasilovich last week, which was uh, last time, which was a, a musical. You've done Killer Party. And now I'm going to recommend another one. Well, Killer Party isn't a musical. No, but it has it's a musical got, number. In. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And when, and Just like Doom Asylum. Vasilovich also only has like two songs in it. Right, so right. Not really a musical. Right. And one of them is diegetic. Like it's on the set of a music video being I mean, recorded. So. Right. Anyway... <laughs> I uh, I feel slightly guilty about recommending this one because Sam wanted to come to the same screening I went to and wasn't able to make it because of work commitments. But uh, because this is the... Hang on, have we moved into recommendations based on the past couple of weeks? Yeah. Right, we normally announce that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll do... I'll, 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 I'll couch it in. Okay. I'll couch it in. But... For this bit, which is recommendations, <laughs> seamless. <laughs> oh, look at that! You the, never see the edges. <laughs> the professionality on this podcast astonishes we me. We are living up to that promise. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, Sam and I were invited to go to a, um, a, a preview screening of the film that is closing uh, Arrow Video Fright Fest this year. Yes. Um, I am sad I didn't get to watch this with Sam. Mm. Um, I am sadder still. I will not be able to be present at the uh, at the actual closing of Fright Fest because I have to be back in the States by then but um, oh my good god this is going to be beautiful on the IMAX screen mm. um, I think they're not allowed to technically say it's in IMAX because although it's on the IMAX screen and using the IMAX speakers there's a licensing concern there right but let's just focus on the uh, the last four letters of the name of this film Climax uh, <laughs> which will very good yeah uh, which will uh, will be playing in that beautiful screen uh, I did get to see it in a lovely cinema Oh my fucking god! It's uh, it's an assault. It's a disco assault, in several ways. It's really good. It's very hard going. Uh, it's probably never gets quite as unpleasant or difficult as something like Irreversible, and it is at times just an amazing music video. But it is a fantastic uh, experience. Um, for my money, it gets a tiny bit long in the second act. Uh oh. But uh, but I but I think that that is Noé playing with audience discomfort. Like th- right. there's one thing that happens that goes on. Like it's disorienting, disorientating, uh, and it's. Uh, but oh my, yeah, it's so fucking good. And we'll definitely be doing an episode on it in the future because Arrow are releasing it. So I think I it's a given that Sam is going to love it. There's there's no there's no doubt in my mind. It sounds so up my street. You're gonna it's fucking ridiculous. love yeah. it, Sam. I'm not going to say much about it. I knew very very little going. Yeah, on. no, I'm 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 annoyed. Like 
even though I've directed the greatest film ever made, I still have to work an office job, so I couldn't actually make it to uh, the screening. Um, but as soon as people realise that I've directed the greatest film ever made, I'll be able to go to these screenings every day. It'll be fine. What are you talking about? You'll be too busy making films. Oh, the shit. one big complaint I have from all the working directors I work with is they never get time to watch movies anymore. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, right, so my first recommendation based on the past couple of weeks is a film called The Shop on Main Street in the States. It's called The Shop on the High Street in the UK. Um, there's a wonderful Blu-ray in the UK uh, for this movie um, that I, I highly advise you pick up. Um, it's Criterion in the States, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they have they done a Criterion Blu-ray of this one. I think it's just Criterion DVD in the I States. I think it is just DVD. I think they haven't upgraded yet. Yeah, so um, do get the Blu-ray, but. It's uh, from 1965. It's uh, it was the the Oscar winner for the best foreign language, um, and yet it's sort of still very underseen. Yeah. It's uh, uh, another uh, Czechoslovakian uh, movie. I do like my Czech films, but Czech. it is uh, about um, a carpenter who's sort of uh, in Nazi occupied, well, it's a Slovak state. And uh, it's occupied by Nazis. And in fact, his uh, brother-in-law um, is a Nazi. Um, and he kind of sort of wants to stay out of it, basically. Uh, he wants to stay out of the whole thing. They don't have... The, the, it's him and his wife and, you know, they don't have powerful thoughts either way. Like, his instinct tells him that the, the Nazi party's bad, um, but, you know, he doesn't want to get involved. But then he's uh, appointed the Aryan uh, controller of um, a, a Jewish shop and his wife is very excited about this and, you know, thinks that they're going to be in the money. Um, and uh, he goes to that shop and, um, yeah, it sort of goes on from there. I don't want to say too much more about it. That's essentially the setup. But it is one of the best sort of war films I've ever seen. And, you know, it's a genre that I like. Um, so I've seen quite a wide variety, but it's definitely up there, possibly top three, maybe top two. Um, it is so powerful and kind of like A Girl in Black, which I recommended last time. It takes a turn in the third act that feels like horror. And yeah, sort of the end moments will stay with you for a long time after you've seen this film. Just unreal acting from everyone um uh, especially the, the widow um but yeah uh, it's just a, an unbelievable experience watching this film very powerful yeah so uh the shop on main street or the shop on the high street however you uh see it uh y- you must watch it nice yes very good film Right, my last recommendation for this episode is a 1980 picture written by Everett de Roche, uh, who wrote Rogue Games, and Patrick, both of which we've talked about on the podcast before. I'd never seen it before, it was a first watch for me. It's slightly problematic in that it's a bit dated now. It is a very 80s film. So it's Robert Powell, it's called Harlequin. Have you seen that, Sam? No. Uh, it's a weird one, it's sort of a retelling of the Rasputin story, which ties it into the sort of... Russian, Czech, kind of Eastern Europe thing that seems to be going on at the moment with us. But it's about a... Uh, it's set in Australia, but they never say it's Australia, so it could sort of be meant to be in America. But, but it's about a, a young up-and-comer senator 
who has into his life with a very ill son uh, and a slightly distant wife because he is a philanderer and has he has come into his life a faith a spiritualist a faith healer who just sort of turns up in their house despite all the security um, who then seems to have cured their son uh, played by Robert Powell who's this sort of like Christ figure like a, a, he, he's kind of mischief the reason he's he refers to himself as Harlequin towards the end of the film and he talks about how in Italian theatre the Harlequin character can be seen by the audience but not by the uh, not by the characters in the play and I think that they're sort of playing with the idea that there are always people behind the scenes with this political stuff, and this is turning that idea on its head. It's really fun. It's it's a little clunky in a couple of places, and it could really do without the very last, like, 20, 60 seconds, which I feel were a studio edition. I mean, if they weren't, then I think they were a sort of preemptive studio edition by the writer, because they don't need to be there, and they're garbage. But the rest of the film's really, really fun. The costumes date it like you wouldn't believe. Mm. Uh, he does turn up dressed in full Harlequin gear at one point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, but it's really fun, and it's really interesting to see, like this very tightly run political machine scramble because this Robert Powell shaped spanner has been thrown into their works. Uh, and it's got some fun, fun horror stuff. It, it, it's one of those things that plays with, is he actually magic or is he a confidence trickster? And it, it plays a really nice game of keeping you guessing until the end. It's, it's really good. That's great. Yeah. I haven't seen that one, so I will, yeah, uh, you'd like I will it. check I it out. So my next recommendation is actually a recommendation that someone gave me, uh, someone I don't know. It's a, a strange person on a podcast. Imagine imagine getting film recommendations from a podcast. Actually, sounds I'm, like, I'm not like a good way to live, live your life, Sam. I, I, I'm not saying that they're, they're a strange <laughs> person. I'm saying that they're a stranger to me. Um, you know, no one who does a podcast is strange. <laughs> you know that uh, the term a podcast has become a, uh, a pejorative term for a group of straight white men. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is a wreck that I got from the Pure Cinema podcast, nice. which is uh, one of my favorite podcasts. That's a separate recommendation. If you like this one, you will like that one. Those guys are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they really know their stuff. And uh, this is a film uh, by Peter Yates, uh, which I hadn't seen, who is known best for films like Bullet and uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle. Uh, but he also directed a film called An Innocent Man in 1989. Have you seen An Innocent no, I Man? I hadn't either. And it was a, a recommendation from, uh, I think, the, the prison movie, Pure Cinema Podcast, uh, which is a great listen. And it's basically about, it stars Tom Selleck as a man who, uh, you know, is a happy guy, you know. Does he, um, does he have a moustache, Sam? He, he, he has, imagine this, he does have a moustache. I mean. And, and him and his moustache are framed for a crime they didn't <gasps> commit. And they're both sent to prison. Uh, he is the innocent man of the title. But what's really kind of fun about this one is it's like this kind of 80s crooked cop movie. Nice. And, and actually the crooked cops, as interesting as the, the innocent man of the title, um, it's quite long. I think it's over two hours, but um, they fit quite a lot into that runtime. Yeah, it's basically this kind of slightly meek guy toughening up in prison oh yeah does he um, does he toughen up really quickly because he's forced to oh do you know what <laughs> <laughs> it, it, what's really fascinating about this film is that I, I don't want to spoil it but basically 
it really like some of the things that uh, that Tom Selleck does <laughs> and doesn't really get punished for. It's oh, pretty intense. Is it? it it's like uh, there's a type of uh, prison movie that's basically a western, kind of where yeah. like prison is the is the lawless badlands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so as a result, you can you can have a mild mannered accountant go in, and then like a week in, he's just like cutting throats with a sharpened toothbrush. Honestly, <laughs> just wait until you see the transformation. Yeah, it's a really sort of fun movie, and and I thank I thank the Pure Cinema podcast for. Uh, sending it my way from a distance. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's a good one. Wicked. I think that's that's us. That's it. That's it. That is it. So uh, we should go into extra features. Extra extra features. Extra features. Is this going to be like last week, extra features? Last time, extra yeah, features. Yeah, kind of. But I'm going to use it as an excuse to... Now, dear, sweet, precious listener, you may have noticed over the past couple of episodes, I haven't really talked about Frankenstein's creature. That has been a personal choice. Arrow didn't tell me to stop talking about it. <laughs> um, but I am going to talk about it one more time because you are one week away from being able to see it uh, as you listen to this if you listen to it on the Monday um, because this goes up on the 20th of August and my film plays on the 27th of August so if you're going to be in London at that time please uh, head toward the Leicester Square Cineworld at 3.45pm on Monday and uh, go and watch my film if it hasn't already sold out by now um, because you have an uh, intense, unforgettable experience. And uh, as I say this, it's the only chance you'll ever be able to see it. So uh, fire into space. So maybe take that <laughs> opportunity. I may well put it in a time capsule for 100 years and release it on the 300th anniversary uh, of Mary Shelley's novel being released. It sounds like I'm joking, but that is actually something I'm considering. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> please go and see it on the Monday if you want to see it. Because Before self-indulgence I... <laughs> takes it away from you. <laughs> Not self-indulgence. I mean, can you imagine how magnificent that would be to release it after I've done, And you'd definitely enjoy that bit where it's, oh, wait. <laughs> you wouldn't be around when it was opened again. Well, you know, uh, at least people... Where science is going. At least people will remember me. It's, I guess it's a 50-50. Either you'll be around because medicine and science will have progressed to the point where you could be alive for over 100 years, 140 years, or B, uh, we'll all die in a fiery inferno apocalypse and so nothing really matters. Yeah, or we'll all die in the climate wars, um, which, if you're listening to this in 100 years' time... Um, Sorry about that. The trick is, make sure the wood is dry before you knock the flints together. Yes. That's the best way. Um, uh, or, you know, just if you need to cook a hot dog or whatever it is that you're doing, <laughs> hot just just light it using the, the, the fires that are just surrounding you right now. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> because the world is on fire. To something and it's not already on fire... <laughs> You're a statistical anomaly. <laughs> but um, good luck with that. And, and um, yeah. thanks thanks for listening, even in that circumstance. Even in the same circumstance. Um, uh, I, I wanted to sort of do an impromptu additional recommendation based on your filmic recommendations from previous, but then I forgot about it when I was talking about Holoquin. Oh, here we go. Uh, so I'm just going to throw it in. I, uh, I, I chat quite a lot to uh, a regular listener of ours, um, Andre Martins, on, uh, on Twitter, and uh, we were talking about uh, literature a little while ago. Um, hello, Andre. Hello, hey, Andre. Thank hello, you again Tim. for your continued support. Yes. Oh, hello, Steve. 
Right. These yeah, are yeah, no, fair regular, enough. Yeah, yeah. you know. That's fair enough, yeah. yeah. I mean, more than you three guys listen to this podcast, but we would like to uh, highlight you because you're the ones that interact with us You do interact with us all on email, so that's really nice, yeah. We yeah, really appreciate we like it. it. But yeah, I, I was uh, chatting to Andre and I, I recommended uh, Tebow Fisher's debut novel, Under the Frog, which is sort of... I don't think he'd ever officially said it's biographical based on his grandfather, but I think there's there's seams of it in there. But it's uh, it's the story of a man's life as um, Poland transition, uh, uh, Russia transitions from, no, it's Poland as Poland transitions from uh, Nazi German rule to being quote unquote freed by communist Russia, uh, and the way he sort of navigates that experience and for a large portion of the book because everyone has assigned work in russia and the russian uh, protectorates uh he ends up finding himself on the um russian national basketball team hmm. which is his job so he just travels around the various soviet states on a train playing basketball against other people um but as you i'm sure you can imagine it all goes a bit goes a bit dark uh, goes a bit wrong um but it's a it's a really really great book and it fits in with this sort of like communist era eastern european recommendation wave that you and i seem to be on at the moment mm-hmm. yeah it's a, i think he was the it was the first it might have been the first debut novel to win the booker prize mm-hmm. uh it's a fantastic book nice a good recommendation and i would like to recommend uh another podcast that isn't ours uh, if you don't listen to the evolution of horror, uh, you, uh, oh, yeah. def- I'm sure you do, but if you don't, you, you should. And, uh, I recently recorded one about uh, a couple of Bergman films. Yeah. For the um, folk horror series. Yeah. For the folk horror series. So we did the seventh seal and, uh, Virgin spring that will be up by the time you listen to this. I haven't listened to it yet, but it felt like it was quite a good one. So, like it went well. um, yeah. And, yeah. and you're about to record one as well. Aren't you? Uh, I've just recorded a couple with, uh, I did one with Jen Handoff, my wife, uh, about the borderlands, which she, uh, produced and which I did the effects for. Um, and then I also did my own one about the folk trilogy of Ben Wheatley, uh, two of which I did the effects for as well. Sweet. So yeah, uh, they were both really, really fun to record. I know about the Borderlands. I didn't know about yeah. the Ben Wheatley one. Yeah. Oh, so mate, we, we I can't wait for that. Kill those field in England and sightseers. Oh, and wow. It's, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, great. So uh, there you go. Right. Um, let's remind everybody of that very important thing that's coming up. Yes, and it's coming up very soon. When, uh, when is it specifically coming up? So uh, this podcast should be in your ears on the 20th of August, and uh, we will be in your face on the 25th <laughs> of August. Aggressively in your face. <laughs> um, because we're going to be at the Arrow Video Fright Fest recording a live edition of this very podcast um, yeah, it's on the Saturday. It's at one thirty p.m. Uh, at the Cineworld Leicester Square. Yes. Tickets are free. It's in the which, Discovery screen. It's in the Discovery screen. Tickets are free, which I wholeheartedly support. Um, <laughs> Sam has definitely been pulled in line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, I welcome our new Arrow Video Overlords. <laughs> um, so yeah, come along and join us. Uh, bring uh, nitpicky questions and complaints about things we got wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> Just bring compliments yeah all right fair enough yeah, yeah, yeah no it'll be fun it'll be the normal nonsense but with guests and clips and and other cool stuff and uh i've had a little look at the guest list and uh you're going to be pretty excited yeah, by the people that are going to cool. be there so um yeah do come along thanks so much right we're going to shut up now um thank you so much for listening yes and your continued support once again if you wouldn't mind Reviewing the website, recommending it. Just go into hospitals and put it on 
like the loudspeaker. I mean, by all means, <laughs> right? By all means, tell your friends. I That's support good. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah tell your friends. friends. But by don't, the medium of reviewing and rating. No, don't bother doing that. <laughs> Who cares? Like, all that'll do is it'll push us up and down the chart. Yes, so I get a little spike of... Uh, like serotonin i get a little bit of emotional positivity i crave the uh, approval of others it's right. very important to me we've reached the peak i think of number three in the itunes um film yeah. chart right i couldn't give a shit either you way you could but back I then back when you got to three care. you cared i didn't you cared care for a bit there no was a i glimmer. didn't i was i was being supportive i don't care <laughs> i honestly don't care but by all means do that <laughs> even though i don't care do that. Shocking. It's fine. I'm sorry, Dan. It makes Dan happy, and you know we should all support that. I'm. I think Arrow want you to. <laughs> I, don't think they, I don't think they care. I think they do. But who really like people are going to find it? I think the best way for people to find this isn't based on reviews and 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 like them scoring it on iTunes or whatever. I think it's based on our lovely listeners going out there and saying to their, film, their film friends, "Have you heard this?" Or like email it, like email your friends this. That that's what I want. I don't. I I just don't like the whole. Yeah, def- yeah, I'd, yeah. That's fair. Email yeah. your friends. Yes. Tell them to rate it. Tell them <laughs> to review it. <laughs> do do what you want, dear listener. You know, you know. I'm easy. Whatever makes you happy. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. And we promise to be more professional next time. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.